Good morning once again, everyone. Thank you. We're going to do a part two. Finding Hidden Treasure, Matthew 13. One verse, verse 44. And I'll tell you what prompted this after we read the Scripture and pray. We've been looking at the parables on Wednesday night. Last Wednesday, George, he uh, taught. George always does a wonderful job. Amen. Yes, he does. He really does. Um, Matthew 13, 44 Jesus said, words are written in red right here. Jesus said again, kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, which when a man has found, he hides and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Lord, help us this day, Lord, to feel your strength in what we're doing and God, we need to feel your strength in what we're doing this day. And I'm believing, God, that it's going to be a help to everyone that's here, those, Lord, that would listen uh, by way of radio or CD or those that would watch uh, on the website. We pray, God, your blessing upon them. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Chris Wells told me after the service where I preached the first time on this verse, he seen me there in the um, lobby, vestibule, and he said, preacher, I want to thank you for that sermon. I'm sure other people got something out of it, and I'm sure it was for some other people. But he said, really, I think that sermon was for me. And he said, I, because that family, they used to go here and, and, um, they felt the call of God to go into full-time service, and they was able to do that in a church in, was it South Carolina? In South Carolina. And um, he told me, he said, I just want to thank you for looking into my field and seeing that there was a treasure that was there. And that got me thinking a little bit more than just the words that I had spoken on that first message. And... I will repeat some of what I preached before, and there will be repetition within this sermon. But Kitty Mooney, a retired school teacher, has told me more than one time the best way to teach people is through repetition. So that's right, she says. So uh, that's why we will continue on, and, uh, and you will hear some things that you heard before. Um, I think it's important for people to see and look for the treasure that's in someone else. Joe DiMaggio, not the baseball player, the guy that makes pizzas and also is the modified youth leader at Fairfield, I knew without any doubt that Joe DiMaggio was supposed to be the modified youth leader at Fairfield. And when I'd tell that to people, they would say, I've never heard him speak a word. He just, he, he's back there and he makes pizzas. I've never heard him speak before. And I said, nevertheless, I really feel like that he's the guy. And 
Over the years that I've preached, if I've been guilty of anything, I've been guilty of this, of giving people an opportunity to minister. Sometimes that works out marvelously. Sometimes it doesn't work out at all. But nevertheless, I will continue doing that because I think it is, it's incumbent upon me to not always to try to look at the field of someone, but try to, to look and find the treasure that's somewhere within that person. Because I think each and every one of us is a treasure. Most pastors are very stingy with their pulpit. They won't let anybody else preach in their pulpit. And one of the reasons is they're just flat out stingy. Another reason would be because the deacon board probably wouldn't allow it. The deacon board, listen, of all this church, I don't have any say-so or very little say-so on everything that goes on and anything that goes on within this church. I don't own nothing in this church. So somebody said recently, that, that, uh, uh, they, they went home and, and there was a guy they were visiting with their husband and uh, said, where you been? And, he goes, and that woman said, well, I've been down helping with, uh, with the uh, camp. And he said, ah, oh, that pastor shell, oh, he, want, he wants all your money and he wants you to work you to death. <laughs> but then he goes, I really like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own nothing except this territory right here, right here. And it's not, it's not an elder board, it's not a finance team, it's not a deacon board, nobody tells me who I should preach or when I should preach or what I should preach. So just as a word of warning and caution to anybody that's a deacon, finance team member, so on, so forth, don't even try. <laughs> don't even try. Because I've been here for 26 years and nobody ain't telling me what I'm going to preach. Or some preachers won't let anybody preach because they're scared to death they'll steal their thunder. That's not my thinking at all. Years ago, a minister, James Hutchcraft, his, he said his ministry was to seek out other young ministers and to let them have an opportunity to be able to preach. Because there are a lot of young preachers that get called to preach and then nobody lets them ever preach. And that's a shame. And that's a shame. Paul mentioned by name over a hundred people that helped him. He saw treasure in them. That's why we hear all the time about the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. It's not him by himself. There's a whole lot of people that's involved in seeing that work grow and go. The man who bought the field he also bought that same day that he bought the field, he bought tin cans, he bought old tires, he bought spiders and snakes and worms and mice and poison ivy and, and some, a, a, a rotten tree that was out there. He bought some ants, he bought a possum, he bought a lizard, he bought a skunk, he bought the garbage. He bought all of that the day that he purchased the land so that he could start digging for the treasure. How stupid would the man have been if once he started digging the treasure, he then started seeing the mice 
and he started seeing the raccoon that was there, and he started seeing the skunk that was there, and he said, well, I'm just going to forget this. I don't want all these negatives in my life. I'll just go and find the treasure somewhere else. That would be plumb stupid. He knew the treasure was there. He leaves the treasure and starts going somewhere else because he saw a negative. The treasure was not in a bank. The treasure was not in a museum. The treasure was not in a store. The treasure was in a field. You find a field and you say, oh, what a treasure. Because you looked in that field and you found something that you've been wanting in your life, and it was a friend. Thank God for this good friend. But let me tell you right up front, your friend has a field. And if you get close enough to your friend, you will see that he or she has a field. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's called friendship. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Did you hear that? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will tell you something you don't really want to hear. And to continue on, it says, but the kisses of an enemy, they're deceitful. Somebody that's always bragging on me, I know that they're up to something. <laughs> and my radar goes up, and that's a red flag to me. They're up to something. But somebody that'll tell me, and I made mention of this a few weeks ago concerning my dad. My dad would say after the service was over, and he'd say, hey, Mark, you had bad breath today. You need to do something about that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. How many remembers that, that old uh, Benny Hill guy? You remember him? How many won't admit that you remember that Benny Hill guy? Johnny Carson invited him once a year, would personally phone him and try to get him to come to L.A. and be on the Johnny Carson show, and he refused him every time. Benny Hill said a friend in need is no friend at all. <laughs> a lot of people look at it that way. Instead of a friend in need is a friend indeed. You find not only a, church, a friend, but you find a church, and you say, oh, what a treasure. But there are things in a field surrounding that treasure. You find a husband and you say, oh, what a treasure. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 37, 37. Mark, the perfect man. That's what it says. <laughs> it's in there. That's Bible. That's Bible. It's in there. But there are things in this field that surrounds this treasure. You find a wife and you say, oh, what a treasure. The Bible said he that finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> but there are things in a field surrounding that very treasure. 
You find the job and you say, oh, what a treasure. But there are things in that field surrounding that treasure. You find the pastor and you say, oh, what a treasure. There are things in a field that surround that treasure. Moses was a great treasure. Moses had a field, and it was a bad temper. Question, do you throw away the treasure because he had a field? Answer, no, you don't. Abraham was a great treasure, but he had a field. He failed to trust God. Do you throw the man away because of that? No. David was a great treasure, but he had a field. It was lustful looking. King David saw the first UFO in recorded history. People, their, their heads went up when I said that. <laughs> UFO, an unclad female object. But do you throw King David away because he had a field? No. Paul was a great treasure, but he had a field. He was hard-headed. You don't throw the guy away because of that. Simon Peter was a great treasure, but he had a field. He talked all the time and would never shut up. But you don't throw away the treasure because he had a field. Years ago, Rick Stratton invited me to go to district council with him, and that year it was being held up at uh, Peoria. He said, uh, he said, man, I don't want to, he was tied to bark on a tree. He said, man, I don't want to pay for a hotel room. Just uh, stay in the room and split it with me. And I said, all right. And boy, we got up, we were driving up there and he drove and I'm thinking, oh man, what have I got myself into? This is Rick Stratton here. We're going we're gonna to have a Bible study before we ever go to bed. It's going to last an hour. And then he's going to want to pray for an hour. And well, what have I got myself into here? And went to the district council meeting. I think he was up there for uh, two nights. And yeah, two nights, three days, something like that. First night, um, went to bed, and I'm thinking, now, do I turn the TV on or not? And because, uh, and, I mean, for years, Rick, Rick Stratton has always been way up here to me. I mean, I can remember the very first time I ever heard the guy preach. Preached out of Song of Solomon. Preached, it was Valentine's Day, and he's out of Valentine's, of all things, get Rick Stratton to preach a Valentine's dinner for couples, and um, he preached to King of Solomon saying that your eyes are like dove eyes, and he said, now, Brother Solomon, I don't know if you ever looked at dove eyes, but they're a little black and beady, and they're close together. Was that, <laughs> was that what he was telling, telling his woman? <laughs> but he's over here in bed. I'll never forget. He's in bed, and I'm over here, and he's on his computer, and and he goes, no, I'll go ahead and watch whatever you want to watch. And I'd been watching, I think it was 24. And, uh, and I thought, well, that might be too violent. He ain't going to watch that. So I just turned the TV off. And, uh, and he's on his computer. And he's always, ever since computers came out, I guess he's been a computer whiz and geek and all that. But he was on the computer and, and uh, doing emails. And he'd do an email and he'd respond. And they'd respond back. And he'd giggle and laugh. And, and that went on for an hour. <laughs> And then finally he snaps it shut and he says, oh, Lord, this has been a good day. I'll see you in the morning. And I'm thinking, that's the great Rick Stratton. 
Oh, Lord, it's been a good day. I'll see you in the morning. I was kind of down, downhearted about all that. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't throw the treasure of Rick Stratton away because he might have had a field. Too many of us willing to look at someone else because they got a field and never consider it. You got a field too. Amen. Amen. People trotting from friend to friend, trying to find a treasure without a field. It's not going to happen. You trot from husband to husband, trying to find a treasure with no field. You trotting from wife to wife, trying to find a treasure with no field. Trotting from job to job, trying to find a treasure with no field. You trot from pastor to pastor, trying to find a treasure with no field. You trot from church to church, trying to find a treasure with no field. Teenagers, look at your parents. They're a treasure. Say, yeah, but they got a field. Yeah, but you do too, you little squirrel. It's what you choose to look at. You need to choose to look at your mom or your dad as a treasure. As couples in Orchardville Church, you get closer to other couples, and I think that is a good thing. But now you're close enough to see that they have a field. Choose to look at the treasure. Amen? The church. First, you come into the church, you see the positive. You see the singing and the friendship and the camaraderie, and, and we'll just throw the preaching in there for something to say, and, and then the altar time and, 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 and the prayer time and the baptisms, and you think, man, that's, off, that's really awesome. And one day, you notice the field. Don't throw the treasure away because the church got a field. I had a woman come up to me one time, and she says, there are pumpkins at the front door of the church. <laughs> and somebody had an overabundance of pumpkins. They was giving pumpkins away. She said, what are you going to do about that? What do you want me to do about it? It represents Halloween. I said, well, we're going to leave them and People want a free pumpkin, they can get a free pumpkin. I had a woman right out here in this foyer. She marched right up to me and she said, I want you to look up to God. You know, that's how she did it too. <laughs> look up to God and tell him it's okay to have an Easter egg hunt. Do you know what that represents? I said, yes, I do. And that's what it represented 700 years ago. It don't, people don't even know that now unless you go around telling them what it represented. I had a woman, and it's always a woman. I don't know. It's a, <laughs> I don't know. Do you know that there are Christmas trees in the church building? Do you know that there are people in the Old Testament that they worship Christmas trees? And you know, we shouldn't have. I said, lady, it's just a Christmas tree. Or you might have one disagreement with me and think, well, there, there is the, the, the 
field mice. There is that skunk. There's that tin can. There's that thing that I've been looking for. And that's the thing. Whatever you're looking for, that's what you will find. Let's look at marriage. Before marriage, opposites attract. Isn't that right? Wasn't there a song written about that? Who sang opposites attract? Paula Abdul. You heathen people that know that. <laughs> Before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites annoy. Let me read you the seven stages of sickness in marriage. On year number one, when your darling gets sick, you say, let me take you to the hospital, honey. Year number two, I'll call the doctor, honey. Year number three, you'd better go lay down. Year number four, after you fix supper, you better go lay down. <laughs> Isn't it right? Year number five, take a couple of aspirin. Year number six, why don't you gargle or something? <laughs> you see how natural I said that? I've said that before. And year number seven, don't cough on me or we'll both be sick. My wife, without a doubt, is a treasure. She has a field. Last time I preached this message, I talked about not being able to close a lid on things. She got another one where she hangs everything up with a brad nail. It don't matter what it is. She thinks the weight of the world can be hung up with a brad nail. And we've had, I've, I've repaired so many things because they fell off because the brad nail wouldn't. And I got illustration after illustration, and I don't have time to do that. <laughs> but either I choose to look at the field or the treasure. Amen. I choose to look at the treasure. treasure. <laughs> Rebecca Shell has as good as attitude on her job as anybody I've ever seen in my life. And she's got a hard job. She's got a hot job. But what that girl has done, she has chosen to look at the treasure of her job and not the field of her job. Especially in this economy, you ought to be doing that. Look at the treasure and not the field. As your pastor, you get close enough to me, you're going to find what you are looking for. You're looking for a field, believe me, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. But let me tell you about a treasure with no field. And it's not the Pope, and it's not a preacher, and it's not a president, and it's not a priest, and it's not a rabbi, or it's not your favorite evangelist. Jesus Christ is the treasure that has no field. Amen. No fault do I find in this man, was the words of Pontius Pilate. No fault do I find. Judas Iscariot said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Yeah. Simon Peter said, he is the one that has precious blood. 
No field. Only the treasure. Do we have, can you get the, um, the uh, thing up on the screen? Okay. Let me try. Can we dim some lights? And I know this will mess up the video for Centralia and Fairfield. Okay. I about need a pointer. We got to, well, forget it. Uh, to the left hand of this seat, there is a cross. And then on each side of that cross, you see some red. That is like the trinkling of blood from that cross. To the right of that cross, there is a sun, like the sun in the sky. To the right of that cross, there is a log cabin. To the right of that cross, there is some orchard of trees. Carol Best, give this to Kay and me last week for our wedding anniversary. <clears throat> and I've seen some of this done over at Israel where they take plates and they break them and then they make things out of it. And this shows a farmer up here, shows just various things, but it's all hundreds, maybe, I don't know, hundreds of broken pieces of plates that make that chair up. Give me the lights again, if you would. <clears throat> broken pieces. Broken pieces. You're looking at a pastor and you're sitting within a church building that we do not believe you've got to be perfect to come to church. Don't put the cart before the horse. Oh, I, I need to get cleaned up. I need to get right with God. Then I'll go to church. See how stupid that is? No. We don't look at it that way. We look at broken pieces as something that God can use. Amen. How many ever heard, by show of hands, you ever heard of Nikki Cruz? Uh, about half and half here. Nikki Cruz was leader of the Mau Mau gang up in New York City back in the late 50s, early 60s. And a preacher from Pennsylvania went into that area, called by God to go into that area to reach the gangs. Who knows who the preacher was? David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson went into that area. He began knowing, and these, knowing these gangs, and these gangs knew who he was. And at one time, and I heard in person in Springfield, Illinois, I heard Nikki Cruz tell this story. That Dave Wilkerson was witnessing and testifying about the goodness of God to Nikki Cruz. And Nikki Cruz pulled out a switchblade and said, Preacher, I'll cut you in a thousand pieces. You know, here's what the guy was doing without even knowing it. Nikki Cruz was projecting. He didn't say, I'd strangle you. He didn't say, I'm going to stab you. He didn't say, I'm going to shoot you to death. He said, I'm going to cut you in a thousand pieces. Nikki Cruz felt like a thousand pieces. Nikki Cruz felt broken on the inside. And that's what he's doing. He's projecting. And Dave Wilkerson looked back at him and said, Nikki, if you'd do that, every piece would say, I love you. Again, we're looking for the treasure, but we know everybody's got a field. 
and we know everybody is broken. At one, I've been in this long enough to know, and my mom told me one time, she said, Mark, not in a million years would I have guessed that that couple was going through what they was going through because they looked so good on the outside. They put on such an air to everyone. And I learned a long time ago, you just can't go by looks because everybody's got something. That's true. Whether you want to believe that or not, everybody's got something that they're dealing with. And we're not going to throw you away because you're broken. We're not going to throw you away because you got a field. Because just like Chris Wells said, thank you for seeing the treasure that was somewhere within me. And that's what I believe about everybody. There's a treasure there. And I'm not going to be afraid of some mice or a snake from time to time because there's a treasure there. And we're going to look for that. Please stand. Lord, I thank you for this day, another opportunity to be able to preach your word. And Lord, I also want to thank you for what this day means to Kay and, and I for 35 years of being married and 35 years of you being in our life, in our marriage, for 35 years of looking to you. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And God, if we could only get the young people to see the value, the value of who you are, because you're the only one that is the treasure without the field. You're the only perfect one. And we rest in that. Because God, me who is so imperfect, I need someone who is perfect. And me who is so filled with fault, I need someone without fault. And me from time to time that don't know what to do, I need someone that knows which way is the right way and what to do. And I rest in that today. In Jesus' name, amen.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.